Hello, Mitch. Hi, Steve. How That's are you it. doing? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah? I'm tired. I'm sleepy. Yeah. I know I know through the magic of radio, everybody mm-hmm. thinks that this is live and it's Sunday and it's a wonderful but it's it's late. It's Monday night. It's, I feel tired. It's seven PM on a Sunday. It's it's <laughs> eight fifty three on a Monday. Monday, Monday. Yeah. It, it's weird, man. And uh, with this whole uh quarantine business uh, my circadian rhythm is 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 off and different i go to bed at like 12 or 1 now i get up at 7 or 8 and um yeah it's weird I, 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 things have it's a bit of a fog always seems like fun. i'm curious uh, eventually uh, yep. since we've since we've come on to the chma uh, airwaves mm-hmm. eventually we'll be Live will eventually be Sunday at eight, and uh, what's going to happen? I mean, we're we're terrible with making notes and like. <laughs> that, I mean, it's going to be foot in our mouths constantly. Uh, no. it'll be hilarious. Maybe we can no. have a maybe we can have a call-in show. Maybe it'll be somebody to be like, let's talk about Carcassonne. People call in. That'd be fun. Call in, email show, pay all, uh, bribe all our friends to. Uh... To, to text us and, and question us. Well, if we could do a, a, the fifth caller. It's going to win this mystery board game that I have right here. And by caller, yes. I mean, I mean like, uh, I don't know, text chat. Yeah, mostly text, I imagine. No, I'm excited. I'm excited to, for, for that to happen. I mean, I'm having, uh, it's fun to be on a schedule and to be, be, be being aired on local radio. Um, but I am actually starting to crave uh, physical and new physical environments and as much as would make me a little anxious to go into like a, a studio booth and, and do that um i think it, it would be nice and, and maybe it would zap us with some studio energy with the spirits of the radio the attic transmissions moving into us there you go i said it yeah maybe i think so i think it'll be fun when we get there and it's coming yeah it's coming. New Brunswick's doing good. We're on our way. Yeah, we're getting there. And we'll if celebrate a, by playing a pandemic tournament. If there was a yeah, if there was a board game cafe within uh, proximity, which there isn't, um, I, I would be starting to get to the point where I could almost think about going to one. Um, that, that's mm-hmm. how it feels now. So that's, that's good. I'm looking forward to the summer. Um, yeah. So what's what's going on? What's what's new with you this week? What's new with us? We played uh, Days of Wonder, uh, released a print and play uh, expansion for Ticket yep. to Ride. Oh right, yeah. They did. They they released a, a stay at home uh, Ticket to Ride, which is and it's Alan R. Moon and uh, you know it's all of the Ticket to Ride team. Seems like they they got in. They did it, and it's. Uh, a giant board it, it comes as a eight and a half by 11 page uh oh. booklet it's about 13 pages two pages of rules like six pages of cards one page of card back and uh, four pages that you print out to make the board cool not a big uh paper cost uh and we printed it i went overboard i you know made an actual solid board and printed all the cards and cut the corners so they were rounded and you know i'm i'm um nice i am I'm overkill. It's, it's what you I'm, do, man. It's what you do. I'm a nerd. 
but we played it and we played uh, Melissa, Macy and I. It took three days to get around to playing it. I was so excited when I had it all done. And then uh, we've been watching like She-Ra and stuff. And uh, right. the was a new, ep- new season of uh, Great Canadian Bake Off. So oh. Macy kept wanting to just, let's get done this. I want to watch sure. this. So it took three days for us to actually uh, play it. And it was great. So, yeah. It's, it's ticket arrived, but it's like in, in it's inside a, in a house, house it's rather a than a house. And uh, there's spots like TV and uh, fridge and stove. And, you know, so instead of towns, it's all just spots in the house. There's the master bath. There's the bed. There's the two spots on the balcony. There's the there's a, it's set up as a father, uh, a wife, a father, a mom, uh, a, a sister and a little brother. So each of those four characters uh, one person plays as each, and you get um, there's four tickets that are specific to those characters, which are is pointless. It's just it's yeah, just yeah. fun. And then right. the rest of the tickets are all cats. It's the house cat named Rookie, <laughs> nice. and so you, you decide, you know, I'll be the dad, and you get two random tickets from the four available dad tickets, which are the big points. Those are the those are your big. The dad big points. point tickets, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then you get two from the regular cat pile, and. Uh, and everybody has to keep two of those, but you can throw out two other ones. Right. And then you, huh. and then you start the game. And the, the base game, it plays like the regular base game uh, with the five train cards face up. And right. you get a hand of four. And on your turn, you can either take two cards like regular or, or play your trains. Or you can uh, get three new tickets, of which you have to right. keep one. And it's 32 trains instead of 45. So it's slightly mm-hmm. shorter okay right slightly quicker it's it's dense it is if you've played ticket to ride and you've had a game with like two or three players where like you never get in each other's way because one of you's on the west coast and one is on the east coast uh but then you've played europe where everything is centralized and it's chaos right. and you need those little train stations in order to be able to do anything because there's just it's madness yeah it's more like that but you don't need the train stations there's enough there's enough roads. They've introduced a new route system, and it's okay. called it's called the family route, and uh, it has four different colors or two different colors if it's two, but it's, uh, multiple colors. And you're only allowed to play one train on that a turn. So if it's like white, blue, red, uh, mm-hmm. black, you can play one card and pick one of those, but you get a point for doing that. Hmm. And and throughout the game, if that's finished by the end of the game you get the full points for the whole thing, even if you only have one train in it. So, oh, cool. uh, you know, it's a nice way to grab points where Melissa, by the end, I had like nothing to do because I had all my tickets done and I had one train left. But Melissa and Macy had put three of four trains on the family route. So I put my last train there and I ended up getting seven points for that because I get six nice. points for the four and one point for putting my train there. And mm-hmm. Yeah, it works great like that. And then there's also uh, triple routes instead of double routes, where the double routes, if you're ever playing with two players, you can only use one side of them. Right. The triple roads uh, works great because there's some spots that are so dense, but you have three chances to actually be able to get there. Oh, so three of you can use it. Three, yeah, because it's like three ra- yeah. three, three, ra- three across. So if you're playing with four oh, players, right. you might gotcha. not, the fourth player might not get in on that. Right, right. Cool. But it worked great. It worked smoothly. It uh, it was slightly quicker than a regular Ticket to Ride game. Not by much, but it wasn't as fast as like Ticket to Ride Junior. And it was that's fun. A, that's a neat idea. Uh, 
and I've, I've kind of dropped the ball on keeping up with the print and play stuff that's been coming out, but I wonder if any others have, I like that idea that they released a board and pretty much you could use the components from a game you might already have. Well, that's what uh, portal games was doing. Portal, portal games was, they were their print and plays for gaming at home. Right. It was all expansions for games they already had. Right. So they'd put out a couple new things for, for each of their games kind of thing. You have to go back and have a look at that because print and play sounded really, uh, really, really idealistic for me, but then uh, like a really great idea, but then I would don't have a printer and uh, it was kind of a hassle to get things printed, but I still have a couple things printed that I need to get around to. Um, and I'm, I'm genuinely excited about them. I just uh, gotta, gotta make the time, but I don't know if it was because uh, we were, we were on uh, zoom a few nights ago and you showed the, print and play ticket to ride board that you made i don't know if it was that it, it, it had to be that um but a couple nights later when Susie and i went to play something and i came down uh, to look around i was like yeah i want to play ticket to ride which I, I i usually i don't crave to play ticket to ride because i usually get my fill whenever my family visits or i visit them because they love ticket to ride and we'll play like you know a dozen games in a in a vacation and so i'm just like yeah i don't need to play ticket to ride because we'll do that when we get together but I really, yeah, really, I genuinely wanted to break it out. And I've only played the European version once. Um, so this was, we broke that out and played the European uh, a second second time. And I mean, I've played the, the base game with the North American map like too many times to count. Um, and, I, and I really enjoy it. But like a lot of people that play a core game of something, uh, you often then crave a simple expansion that just twists things up a bit. And I love, I love the European version. I think it's fantastic uh, for a couple reasons. Well, I love that they've increased the card size. The cards are bigger and, and they're really nice looking. Um, I, I really like that the board is smaller, especially when you're playing with two players, because even if you... Uh, are on opposite sides of the map, you are likely to get in each other's way at some point, even as a two-player game. And it's kind of nice not to be playing that game solitaire style because it's meant to be. It's part of the game. It feels like that you're getting in each other's way, especially mm-hmm. in the European version where it's built in to have those train stations. Uh, I love that mechanic with the train station. You can um, you can lay a train station down on a city so that you can use one of your opponent's routes. Um but if you don't use those train stations and you have three of them, they're worth four points each at the end of the game. So there's a real I like give the, and take to that. The tunnel system they introduced for that one too, where that's my favorite thing about it. You you flip up extra cards to see if you can make the tunnel, and sometimes you totally get burned. Yeah, that's fun. And the tunnel system is totally simple, and I could see some people complaining about it, maybe because it's a push your luck thing. Um, but I love that. I mean, I like to have. Uh, I like to account for it in my hand. I'm not really going to go push my yeah. luck unless I can. Totally. I've done it a couple times my... where I've just sort of been like, ah, I'm going for it. Yeah. But, but it is just another, another neat little, little thing. But yeah, yeah it was great. I, I really my, enjoyed it. My big problem with uh, European ticket to ride is that I uh, have bad eyes and I'm from North America and I'm a bad student. So yeah. uh, I usually end up uh, with the board facing away from me. And I've played a couple times where I've spent the entire game going to the wrong city. Like yeah. one of my one of my big long connections, I've gone 
the complete i should have turned left at some point and i just kept going and i don't i don't have an example i don't want to accidentally say what <laughs> two places i might have got wrong but yeah that is the trick with that one yeah totally <laughs> with north Aging america eyes. i'm familiar with all of the names and so i can play it upside down and it's no big deal and they're so spread out and and yeah. you know i could check it a couple times and like okay yep going there but uh, yeah a couple times it's caught me <laughs> with europe where i haven't been double checking enough triple checking yeah quadruple checking and i've been totally burned where i've been like yes i got all my tickets done and we're counting the score at the end of the game and i'm like that is the wrong spot yeah yeah <laughs> which it, is hilarious it, i mean that's it's super <laughs> funny i'm you know that's a great there's other ticket to ride games that i've played that i don't remember and i remember those very well and and fondly <laughs> yeah and it's really problematic actually we were having the same problem where uh, the the map was upside down and I was looking at my root cards and I was looking at them upside down so I could at least kind of <laughs> make sense of the orientation. Uh, but if we were really competitively playing, any astute player would see that my eyes are like boring a hole into Eastern Europe and I obviously am going to be going over there. Um, so, you know, for any competitive group, that would be a problem if you weren't familiar with the particular continent or something and you're just staring intensely at one section of the map trying to to read it but yeah so, it was it was a ton of fun there's so many maps in that uh, franchise then oh man I, I would like to pick up a few more and i just i never have because i it's a game that i always feel like ah stick it around i you know i'm i'm done with it or whatever but i have a great time every time i play it yeah uh, that you know i'd be happy to have uh, a bunch of other maps to go let's play here tonight yeah and it's funny we got a uh, quite a bit of play out of the ethnos when when I picked oh, that up yeah. for last year or something, which really is inspired by Ticket to Ride. Um, ethnos is uh, oh what's his name? I'm looking at it from over here. Uh, Paolo Mori, um, right? It's a uh, well-known game designer. Um, and a similar thing, but a fantasy universe where you're playing again sets of of colors to put discs on a, on a map. Uh, and instead of chaining together routes like in Ticket to Ride, it's more of an area control where if you can imagine a map broken up into little countries or territories, uh, you're putting little discs to, has, to try to get the most discs in a, in a particular area. But, it has a similar scoring uh, where it has the set collection. So the, the two things that are going on in it are the area control and then the set collection. And the scoring with the set collection kind of feels like you're counting your trains at the end of Ticket to Ride. Yeah. Or if you have one, it's this much, two, it's that much, and, and so much. So if you can get like a mitful of the one type, then you get big points. Yeah. And I, I, there's something about this game. I don't, I don't know what it is. It's um, fast. It is it's really so, fast. So the turns are so quick. And, and the games uh, are quick. The game, yeah. it's, it's a brilliant game. I love it. The, yeah, the beautiful thing about that game, actually, um, before I say what I'm going to say next, is uh, it it comes with these. It's it's a fantasy game, so it comes with all these different races, uh, dwarfs and and giants and and halflings, uh, and they are their own kind of decks of cards. Uh, but you don't play with them all at once, and they all they each have their own kind of um, rules for how you're how you can play them. Um, they're like their own yeah. mini games. Yeah, they're like their own mini games, or it's kind of like the game is is built uh, with similar to Dominion, where you can yeah exactly sort of build the feel of the game based on which 
which characters you play with. Yeah, it feels like it has expansions built in and that every game is going to be a little different. Uh, but unfortunately, for whatever reason, like for me having a family that loves Ticket to Ride, that game didn't take... Uh, my family didn't really swallow that one right away. And they didn't... They were like, yeah, it was, it was good. I really think the fantasy uh, setting uh, hurt that game's chances because... Uh, there's something about it. I feel like it's it's superior in a lot of ways to Ticket to Ride for the reasons we're saying, the variability of it. It, um, it could have been, I think it should have been on the short list for like Spiel the Jar that year. Like it's so yeah. simple to get uh, and it's so fast to play. And on your turn, you do, you know, you either take a card or you or you play your hand. Yeah. And that's And that's it. And that's the whole game. Yeah, it's just some slight variations on that Ticket to Ride model, which is, you know, so, so popular. I really think people got, got dissuaded it's, it's by a, the theme. Like the box cover is this giant Looks like a war game. And, and then, and then the map, like, and then you open it up and it's kind of this dry risk-like map. Yeah. And all the cards are kind of like magic cards with like, fantasy creatures on them so like great and great art oh it's beautiful art yeah it it doesn't doesn't feel like the game you know the game is so light and so clean and smooth and it just doesn't there's a there is definitely a weird disconnect between how it's presented and what it is Uh, and it you know very often i i hate to say like ah the theme's off on that or it doesn't feel thematic and yeah. don't, that doesn't bother me and it doesn't bother me i could play that game the way it is oh me too and i love fantasy but, but but from from the marketing standpoint from the selling it to your family from the getting people on board with it it probably definitely hurt it hurt its chances but i mean it's got eight eight point seven thousand ratings yeah on bgg and it's a 7.5 so you know it's yeah. a, it's a solid solid game and it's super loved uh but it, it could have been more Maybe. Yeah, I got to wonder, you know, in this kind of age, it seems like we're living uh, with really beautiful, over almost overproduced games, like, you know, like Wingspan, for example. I love Wingspan, and I think it's it's a great game. I got to wonder if Ethnos got that kind of treatment and had a little more of a neutral, approachable theme with a with a nicer board and a nicer map, say that people it would have really turned heads and, and clicked with people. But yeah, who knows? Did uh, did we ever mention Paolo Mori's other game and and what they've done to reskin that? Uh, I don't remember. Pro- maybe what is it? Paolo, I think this guy is a genius for uh, making Bingo a super exciting game. Oh right, yeah, yeah. And I think a Spiel contender. I think I think he got yeah, a nomination right. uh, for Rise of Augustus. Right. Yeah. Right? So Rise of Augustus is a Roman themed. Uh, I don't know what you'd call it. It's a well, it's a push your luck game, but it's just ancient Rome. I don't I don't know if it has any other theme on it beyond like it's not city building or anything. You're just you're yeah just playing a game in ancient Rome, but uh, it, but it's a bingo game. So you have cards that need uh, symbols to to score them, and you reach into the bag, and whoever's turn it is pulls out a chip, and if you have that, you mark it down on one of your cards, and eventually you fill a card and you you bingo and yeah you, you put it aside and you get a new card and you get Caesar. yeah and uh, and it works amazing and if you love bingo it's a great it's a great way to get into board games because it's it's 
it's got it's a lush uh exciting bingo it's it's fun i like it yeah but they've nice. but they've reskinned it it's coming out uh this year i think as, oh really uh, as via magica didn't which is know a, that a kid's uh fantasy magic retheme of the game and i huh. i think they've done uh, a couple small tweaks to it but it looks it looks even better like i'm gonna i'll be buying it oh you're right yeah i'm looking at it right now it, it's a great idea i'm glad they're doing it because similar to what i'm saying about ethnos actually uh i played rise of augustus um who did I, I played it with a, one person and i was like oh this is great i think maybe my brother and i was like this is really i like this it's simple this is going to be one i can break out with the family with everyone and then i broke it out with the family and it was almost like explaining the rules through the layer of uh ancient rome but with an ancient rome setting like it was almost like the ancient rome setting was rules it was almost like that was something to 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 try to get through yeah. you know uh, well, and, i don't understand why these are chariots yeah oh it, it, it was exactly that like i was explaining a really simple bingo game uh, but it was like you know we were trying to get the emperor's favor and i was, I was trying to do that thing where you know here's what who's, yeah, yeah. who we are in this game and here's what we're up to um and it wasn't working and if it was kind of like well you know think harry potter but you know we're doing spells and and you're going to do bingo and and that's going to be a spell or whatever the however they're doing it with this this game. I, I think it's just different elements. So you need like oh and in order to cast this spell I need like two waters and an earth and and you pull in the chips and you you fill them in you get right. But it's neat and it was you're right. Um, Rise of Augustus was a Spiel des Jahres nominee in 2013, so really not that long ago, and it really is family weight and fun. So I'll be curious to see what a different setting. Uh, does for its audience and, and maybe maybe it's dated but i don't hear a lot of bingo style games that, that kind of hit the market and they would be great for kid and family games that's how we play karuba where, right uh karuba and i mean the box version of karuba not the card game karuba and not the kids mm. game karuba but the bigger box karuba where <clears throat> everybody's building a path through the jungle and everybody has the same tiles and one person has their tiles upside down and pulls a tile and everybody then finds the same tile and you have to place them in the first person to get to the three of their adventures to their temples ends the game and then whoever has the most points wins and we play it where instead of everybody has all of their tiles out and we have i've made another set of bingo chips basically that right. we put in a bag and so four people play and one person just pulls a chip out of the bag. So I'll I'll just pull the chips out of the bag while four other people are playing and I'll just bingo call the game. And, uh, and it works really fun. Yeah. And I've actually, I've been talking with, uh, and it's too late now. It's sad because TNL mm. uh, sort of closed up. But for two years now, I've been talking uh, to them and to Jordy about, about I've rebuilt this game as a pub game of, of bingo of bingo but adventure bingo where you're drawing your way through a dungeon and uh but i was so slow so, getting it, it actually happen. finished it can still happen we can make Windows that happen gone. at some point uh in the same vein as as this weight of kids game and this drawing from a bag uh i think it just went on kickstarter today uh a game called the whatnot cabinet oh and it's a game by Pencil First Games. Are you familiar with Pencil First Games? No. This is uh, Skulk Hollow. 
Oh, okay, yeah. I know so it's that one. Eduardo Braff. Uh, I think that's how you say it. Steve Finn. Okay. Who is Doctor Finn? Doctor Steve Finn, who's a legend, yeah. and Keith uh, Majekin. Okay. Uh, I don't know how to say his name right. He's a Thunderworks game. He's role player. He's Skullcallo. He's uh, what else has he done? Herbaceous. Her- Steve Finn. Hell yeah. And uh, him work together on Herbaceous and a bunch of other games. Uh, Sunset over the water. Is oh, the yeah. one? Which yeah. is which is a watercolor nice. scenery painting game. Nice looking uh, so game. These, yeah. These guys seem to work together a lot in different configurations and put out uh, like Steve Finn is. I, I, he's one of the more fascinating uh, designers to me where he started off, I don't remember what year, uh, but he basically started making cards uh, in his garage. He was like going to the print shop in town after hours using the printer and making right. cards for friends. And then he started making uh, games and printing them in his garage, he ended up getting his own printer, I think, and cutting his own cards and just making card games and selling yeah. them at conventions and, and just doing them in scratch. And I think he still might do that. Uh, right. I'm not sure, but, uh, Aiello, which is, uh, you know, everybody I think knows Aiello, they're uh, King of Tokyo. It's right. a game, publisher out of France, I think. Yeah. They ended up calling him and, uh, he was their first game they ever published was, was Biblios. Oh, really? Which is pretty pretty awesome accolades and it's one of their best selling totally. games and it's yeah it's a great game yeah it's an amazing game but the art for this one as well is beth sobel and uh and another lady kim mm, so terrible at notes but beth sobel is she's also worked on herbaceous and all those and she's yeah. the, one of the ones who worked on uh wingspan and stuff too. wingspan yeah right but this game is uh it's a everybody has a little uh closet little cabinet with uh I think there's four by four cabinet kind of thing. Uh, it's mm-hmm. six six rounds, two to rounds, so twelve. So it's like three across and four down. And okay. there's uh, an action selection mat with sort of five different ways to be able to pick these tiles. And there's a row of four tiles at the bottom that right. have uh, pictures of bottles or uh, animal things or like knickknacks. Uh, but there's like five different types of knickknack, I think, and five different colors. And mm. each action that you can select is a different way to pick those tiles. So you're either pulling them straight from the bag and from one, from left to right, they're sort of better. Like right. the very last one, uh, you get to pull, you get to sweep away all of them and pull out like five more and then take two of them where the first one you have to take two from the bag. Mm. And then the next one you like take take one from the bag and then take another one from the bag but put it down there and choose from those five and then right. the middle ones are like you can actually take them from the ones that are face up so you know what you're getting uh-huh. and but depending on which action you take it tells you whether or not you're going to be going first or last the next turn right so if you take the worst sort of action you end up going first the next turn and if you take the crappiest kind of action you end up going last or yes. the other way around you take the yeah, best yeah, yeah. action you yeah. go last you take the the worst one, you go, you go first, and it's just six rounds, taking two tiles a turn, mm-hmm. and then and then you score kind of like uh, Sagrada, where there's a bunch of uh, scoring cards that if you can get these patterns of these colors or things, you you score right. that much, and you get uh, if you have all the same items across a row, you get points, and if you get all the same color down a row, you get to get points and mm-hmm. things like that, and uh, it looks great, and I I would love to have it 
uh, it just launched on Kickstarter, so I'm going to have to wait a couple years because <laughs> the base game is like almost $60 Canadian and like $20 shipping or something on top sure. of that. And like, yeah. All the, all the Steve Finn games sort of start out like that. We've got uh, The Little Flower Shop, which is yep. a great family weight drafting game. That's uh, Steve Finn and I think Beth Sobel did the art for that one too. Uh, Beth right. Sobel did the art for Calico, which is one I want too. That's a, it's oh, a yeah. cat, cat tile placing game. That's supposed to be really, really fun. Yeah. Uh, but it's the same thing where whenever Little Flower Shop, even whenever it hit retail, it was yeah. like 50 bucks and it's a smaller box. And like eventually, you know, two, three years later, yeah, we got it for 30, 35 or something. But huh. I just, I can't afford this hobby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kickstarter is, uh, is really not viable, feeling viable for Canadians right now. I mean, I'm, uh, I mean, we might've talked about this last week or I can't remember if it was, uh, when we weren't recording or not, but I think tomorrow the terraforming Mars big box is, oh, yeah. is launching which is just a giant box to put all your terraforming Mars and expansions in. But I, I assume they probably have seen the massive success that kind of third party companies are having selling printed tiles yeah, for I think their we game. We just talked about this uh, last week. Yeah, we did. Uh, I think so. Yeah. But anyways, I was trying to snoop around a little bit and see, I'm like, how much is this going to cost? Cause, uh, but I think you want it so bad. $99, I yeah. think. And it's, you know, it's, it's just a, a box and 3D tiles, and I get it. 3D tiles are going to co- cost money. Uh, stuff, I think but... there's uh, some other stuff in it. There's a few. Yeah, there's going to be some promo cards and a first player marker and and something yeah. like that. But uh, yeah, I don't think I can, you know, go over a hundred dollars for just like an aesthetic improvement, um, especially if it's going to be then switch. You know, we got to take the conversion into account and the shipping uh, and shipping a giant box is going to be crazy. But yeah, you're right. The, the hobby is increasingly uh, getting more, more expensive. But the, it's starting to be more important now for me, uh, budget wise. Um, I used to try and explain things. Uh, that's a terrible way to go. Cause that gets me into uh, other trouble. Um, my logic for buying games now is that every time I order pizza for the family, right. it costs me about $40, $50. You know, yeah. if we get a large pizza and then garlic fingers and whatever, it usually, it feels like it's going to be 30, but it's 50. Right. And, and then we eat that and I eat too much of it. And then we throw the boxes away and I, I feel uh, like I've done something horribly wrong and I try yeah. to sleep, sleep it off. <laughs> And to buy a board game for $50, you get to play with it over and over and over and over again. And you don't even throw the yeah. box away. So and value-wise, you know, if I, if I can buy something for $60 and I, and I play it three times with, with, with Melissa and Macy, it's totally made its money back yeah. to me. Yeah, no, that's you know? true. So, and, yeah, and I would agree with you there. Uh, I even think of all these. Uh, I've I've thought about it too in terms of like monthly television subscriptions. Like, since the pandemic, we've we've subscribed to Disney Plus, um, but we typically like our, my kids would choose Sam would choose video games over watching a movie, anyways. And Violet is really into Barbie. Um, that those shows uh, are terrible. That 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 gut-wrenching show on netflix um macy watches it now and again and 
so we really only only use Disney Plus for like maybe one or two movies a week, uh, but that's like ten or fifteen bucks a month. Whereas you know a game like Rattatat Cat, which I think was like three bucks at the thrift store, or Llama, which was like twelve bucks, or even something like Descent, which I bought secondhand for forty bucks. I'm like, me and Sam have put, I don't know, like thirty or forty hours into that since the pandemic. Like we paid a dollar an hour for that experience, you know. Like, uh, depending on the games, yeah, this, the value is uh, is amazing, you know. For depending most. on what what your goal is, <laughs> you know, if your if your goal is to find a couple great games, yeah, and and just have those then spending a hundred dollars is totally worth it is it completely completely worth it i can think of you know four or five games between 60 and 120 dollars that if you're only looking to buy three great games to have on your shelf for you know the next two years the the money is worth the money because it's going to pay itself back if if you're someone like yourself who whose goal is to curate a collection of sort of the best games you can, then that money ends up being totally worth it. And if you're someone like me who has a compulsive uh, problem where I want to play everything <laughs> and I barely care how good it is, then that doesn't work out. And for yeah. some, for someone like me, and there's probably a lot of people like me, that's where uh, places like the Comic Hunter, where they have the discount uh, right. sections, uh, I troll uh, Amazon for price drops. Any <laughs> yeah. Anytime I go to any other city, I find every game store I can, and I look around for used piles, and I look around yeah. for the discount shelves. And, like, I, I, I mean, I have standards. You know, I won't play... I'll, I'll double check games I've never heard of to make sure that it's, it's not a five or a four yeah. rating kind of thing. Right. But right. even then, if there's history in that game, if I find a game that's like, Oh my God, that's, that's uh, you know, John Gilmore's first game. It's only rated a right. four, but you know, and I, no offense to John Gilmore. I, I don't think you have a game rated a four. I was just, just using, <laughs> I'm just stringing words together. John's sitting uh, at home. Like I like these guys until now, but like, I'll find a game that if I can look it up and I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe so-and-so did the art for this game, you know, 10 years before they did the art for that game. I would probably still buy it and put it on my shelf if it, if it's affordable to me. (laughs) So, and then I have a problem because of that. uh, And I'm getting a little better at it. I don't buy everything. when I go into thrift store, I'm like, I don't have that. And I keep buying them all. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it makes it hard for me to go out and go like I've wanted Quacks of Quedlinburg for a long time, but it never drops under seventy dollars. Yeah. And so for me, I'm like, ah, you know, am I going to be able to get to play that five times to make it worth it soon enough for me to feel like, oh, that was totally worth it? Yeah. So. No, I hear you, and and I mean, uh, I hear what you're saying about my. Uh, we're talking about in some ways uh, about it collectors and compulsions and ad- addictive personality somewhat i have a, a similar compulsion as you it just has a bit of a different slant oh yeah where i, I my my thing is and i've been resisting is, all all this week is great i like you have uh something like 30 of the top 100 games now where i only have like 10 right so. but 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 what I've or, been resi- or six, I think. I, I think I was being generous with ten. <laughs> I've been resisting for the past month. Like I, I, oh man, 
all you Sackville listeners who know me out there are getting a deep uh, insight into my life right now. I will go to bed reading board game rule books of games that I hope to get uh, purchase sometime. And they, they also especially in PDF. Yeah, and it's great. I can just curl up with my iPad and drool all over it at some point. Um, but um, especially during this time, solo play. Well, solo play is always interesting to me anyways. It's always a reason for me to buy a game sometimes. Uh, but especially now when I play a lot of games alone, um, I'm reading the rule books to things like Gaia Project and Feast for Odin. And these are $120 games. Um, but their solo game is reviewed really highly. And it, I've come close to, to purchasing these. And Spirit Island is another one, um, games that I just really want to play. And what will often happen with me then is, is I'll have these kind of really highly regarded games. And I will, it will take me hours to learn them uh, and take me hours to play them through two or three or four times. And then I'll be like, oh, okay, cool. That's a great game. Uh, and then I might not play it for months. Uh, and I'll go back to my favorites. You know, I, you know, Descent gets a lot of play. Mean Sam, Gloomhaven gets a lot of play. Mean Susie play a ton of Wingspan and Orleone. Like there's, there's games that are in rotation. And then there are games that I just compulsively want to buy them, learn how to play them, know that they were great, kind of marvel at the mechanics and the design and the art and the whole package, and then kind of shelve it and feel good about it. And, and I know I'll play it again, but yeah, not sure when. With me. And again, I. Yeah, exactly. And I still kind of break it down in the way you're talking about pizza is that even still buying a 50 or a hundred dollar game, if it takes me 10 hours to learn it and play it three times to get an appreciation for it, that's still pretty good value. When I, when I was, uh, before I got kind of totally recl- reclusive and I was trying to take in as much music shows as I can, uh, as I could, um, it was pretty easy to go to a music show and get a few drinks and pay cover and and want to leave with some merchandise and an album and, and be nothing to almost spend a hundred dollars at a show. And I don't ever, I don't regret that. Um, but I equate it, uh, to the same way I like putting money into an artist's pocket of a touring musician. I, I like supporting game designers and game publishers and, and authors, comic books and things like that. I like, there's a little justification there too, to support a hobby and an art form that I really love too. That was a bit of a ramble. It's a good ramble. There it is. Uh, and I had three thoughts during your ramble. Okay. Uh, and I've lost them. Yeah, I bet. It's because I, I, I switched <laughs> gears. I pivoted a couple times. And now I'm trying to think of them, so my mind's drawing a blank. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ga- game value has, uh, just having it on the shelf now, that value seems to have gone up with the production values, where uh, the fact that the art is mind-boggling sometimes the fact that yeah. uh, the pieces have gone to a whole new level all of the production in games nowadays makes them super collectible anyway yeah you know like i have i have collectible games from before where i have like willow right i have right, willow, right. the movie the board game and it's a it's an early i think it's tsr that put it out originally but right. I got it at a garage sale and it was like one of the happiest days of, of that year for me when I found it. I ran to the table and then I was short $2 and I had to run somewhere <laughs> else to get $2 from a car. It's like, don't let anybody, but you know, nobody else cared. So it wasn't going anywhere. But uh, it's just badly printed paper and like poorly cut out stuff. And, yep. and I love it and it's on my shelf. But you put that <laughs> next to 
and like Spirit Island, like you, uh, Spirit Islands. Yeah. I, I suddenly took a blank there yeah. too. That yeah. game, you know, is, uh, I think I got that one. I, I actually got that uh, damaged. Right. right. This is a great way to get uh, fantastic games. If you don't care yeah. about the pristine quality of your game, most most stores uh, will sell their damaged stuff at, at a pretty pretty decent discount so i ended up getting that game for like 35 dollars, and it's a 70 dollar game yeah 80 i think yeah and it's you know it looks it's great and uh, i'm not comparing spirit island to willow the game am i that's (laughs) i'm just saying i love them both yeah yeah Yeah, and i and i think there's a real uh, real neat value in having these kind of relics and then uh kind of firsts and early designs and kind of an evolution, having kind of an artifact and, a, and seeing an evolution of games uh, in a collection too. It's kind of cool. I just found a great parallel between Spirit Island and Willow the Game, where Willow mm-hmm. the Game is a game from eight, the 80s, and it's a, mm-hmm. it's an early asymmetrical game. Uh, and it's an early, it's a one versus many game where one person plays as the bad guys and they're trying to get the baby and you're trying to hide the baby and you're playing a game of hot potato on the good guys team where you're passing the, the baby back passing and the forth, baby. Mm-hmm. hiding the baby. And, uh, and the bad guy is trying to catch you and trying to catch you with the baby to win the right. game. And the rules are so uh, wonky. Yeah. That we had a, the, we played it the one night and it took us like an hour and a half almost two hours to just read the rules we we're yeah we we're killing ourselves laughing yeah, we had to... kind of weird fun just playing oh, and, was, and reading the rules it was yeah great time and the it was game like lasted watching like 15 20 minutes yeah but spirit island is very well written rules but it still took me a long time to get through them and get playing yeah uh, sure so we can tie that in terry <laughs> 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 they're not similar at all but well yeah. Speaking of, um, and I died really quickly in Spirit Island the first time I played it too. So yeah, yeah. they're they're similar. Yeah, sure. And you know, to, to be fair though, that Willow game, like I said, uh, it was comparable to watching kind of a, a B movie, crappy B movie, just for the laughs and the and poking fun at it. Uh, not that we were really poking fun at the game; it was just kind of fun. Yeah, it was it was a good time. It, which I think is it's worth. Yeah, experiencing these kind of games and old rule books and designs is kind of cool. Um, speaking of games from the 80s, though, um, finally, this week, uh, we've owned this game for just about two years. I, I bought uh, this was a gift to Sam on a Christmas because he was so enamored with the Kickstarter preview video for Fireball Island. Mm. Um, yeah, Restoration Games, the, the game company who likes to restore old games from the Speaking 80s. Of old games, yeah. Yeah. It's a great they, idea for a company. They restored Downforce and Fireball Island and now more recently uh The Dark Tower, right? I think that's Yeah, that's called. coming out soonish. That's exciting that one. Yeah, so Sam, you know, like like games do and like a lot of things do, novels do this now. They have trailers for for their products and the Kickstarter uh trailer for fireball island was really kind of intense and dynamic and had this movie narrator voice and fireballs and disaster and sam was like oh my god this game is amazing uh and i thought it'd be a fun family game and and picked it up and right away it was a little the rule there was a little too much rules going on and 
<laughs> if for anyone who doesn't know of the, the premise of Fireball Island, it's uh, an old game from the 80s, giant map of an island with a volcano in the middle that has this kind of uh, carved out in stone figure, kind of like an Easter Island kind of figure, but a bit more vicious looking. Uh, and you move your little explorers around the island. In the 80s, it was a roll and move, roll your dice, move around. You're trying to steal uh, the heart of Volcar. That's the name of this volcano or this this deity that, that's on the island. Um, and you're just trying to race to get the, the, the gem and then race off the island. You can steal the gem from each other and things like that. But you can drop marbles into the, the head of this totem and the marbles fly around the map and they can knock you down and you can drop uh, the heart of Volcar and you can drop them and hit your opponents and things like that. And so it's super fun. One of those toy games from the 80s that I think, you know, probably remembered fondly by a lot of people, which is why Restoration Games decided to revamp it and re-release it. But anyways, it kind of fell flat with Sam originally because I think what the videos on Kickstarter did was slow down the impact of these kind of marble impacts. It was like slowly rolling down this 3D dramatization of Fireball Island and then the, the plastic mini like flipping off the board. Uh, and then when we got it just... and we dropped the marbles, it's like instantaneous. It's at the bottom of the map in a second. It's like, boom, they just roll down the map. And it's hard to capture that same feeling. But it's got, it's got so much play in that the, the actual components and the look of the map, you know, it's three big printed plastic molds that snap together. Uh, it's just a great toy. And I mean, Sam and his friends have, have played with that so much with other toys and just decorating with gems and everything. So finally this week he said, dad, can we, can we play? My son doesn't talk like that. He's seven. He doesn't sound like a teenager. (laughs) (laughs) He wanted to play the real game finally. Um, and so we set it up and it's a lot of fun and I kind of regret, uh, and, and we'll get there again. I know. But it was one on my mind last year when we had my birthday party and we were going to play games all day. I was like, yeah, that might be a time to play Fireball Island with with adults and, and see how it goes. Uh, but I actually think it would be fun to play with a group of adults. It's a great family game. I think it would be fun to play with your game group just for 45 minutes of dexterity and almost roll and move, but not quite. Uh, and just kind of silly, silly fun. But they've really tweaked it. And you know, I'm looking at BGG right now, and the 80s Fireball Island has a 6.4 rating. It, people still still like it. And it is some roll and move, but there is some card playing. There's some take that, and it has that dexterity element to it. Uh, Restoration Games tweaked it and did something that I like that a lot of designers are doing uh, more recently. is It's taking the dice out and putting cards in. So in Fireball Island now, you start with two cards, and they have your move value on it and some other action you can do. And so you choose one to play. Oh, I might move eight this turn, and then I might drop a marble or flick a marble and try to hit my opponent. Or I can move 12, but I can't collect any treasure when I'm moving because I'm running too fast. And when you play a card on your turn, at the end of your turn, you draw a new one. So you always have two action cards. And you can find other souvenirs on the island that have powers that can, you know, you if you tried to steal treasure from me, I could be like, no way, I got a water bottle. And for some reason, you can't take my treasure now. Um, and then you can play these cataclysm cards, which is when you drop the red marbles into Volcar. And if people get hit, they drop treasure and maybe you steal a treasure. Um, but as these cataclysms pile up, more and more marbles get dropped. And basically, as you run around the board collecting treasure and stealing treasure from each other and knocking each other over and you stand on bridges and sometimes those bridges flip and trees 
you can <laughs> you can move trees like little ping pong uh not ping ping pong uh pinball pinball, pinball flippers almost um you get these little postcards as you're moving around the island when you pass these scenic spots you get a blue yellow or red postcard it's like a little set collection of of, of postcards and when you have three of each color you can run to the heli at the helipad and hop on the helicopter and you're basically trying to get the most points from your postcards and your treasures and the heart of all car and um a couple other things but uh yeah it was really fun sam and his friend teamed up and beat me um beat me good and yeah I'm, I'm glad i'm glad i've been i've been really it's been one of those i don't really get into feeling shelf of shamey because i have about a dozen games here some that are still in plastic that i just haven't got around to yet uh, but i don't really mind because i'm like yeah can't wait to get to that um but fireball island was one that has been creeping it's such a huge box that i have it tucked down in the corner of my shelf so no one trips over it or, or pokes their eye on the corner or something uh that is one that i'm like huh that was a bit of a it's a bit of a luxury board game that's just sitting there but I'm glad it's been played and, and will be played again, I think. We have uh, my, my, my shamefulness and my, my, I don't know, what was the, the better term we had for that? Because that, that was a terrible one. Right. Shelf of potential, maybe? Shelf of like potential? That? that doesn't sound like <laughs> But ours is getting, ours is getting thin. Shelf but there's of excitement. Some of the ones that we have stuck on there right now are like, auction games Melissa yeah. doesn't really like auction games so i don't really either i don't know i haven't played enough that's true i'm convinced I, that i i, I must because people do they seem yeah. fun i mean it's a fun mechanic like we played the, that uh yeah the vault game uh, which is one of john gilmore vault. yeah john right. gilmore's earlier ones uh might have been his first and it's not a four sorry john gilmore it's not a four. it's a good <laughs> game i can't remember what it's called um, Vault Wars, wasn't it, or something Vault like that? Vault Wars, and it's yeah. <laughs> it's another medieval fantasy uh, Dungeons right. Dragons game where you're basically you're. And I read his design diary for this, uh, his design stuff on it. He was uh, traveling uh, and staying in hotels a lot, and was watching uh, one of those storage wars, storage wars <laughs> shows on TV, and was like, "There's a game here." <laughs> sure, that's <laughs> and, a great uh, idea. And came up with a great game, and it's a it's a fun. I think it's a I split you choose sort of thing where you uh, maybe not. Yeah, I don't. I we only it's played it once, and we were like, "This was a great time. Let's play this with five players." And then we've never never played yeah. again. But it was a it was a fun game, and it's yeah. I don't I don't remember enough of it to. Uh, yeah, I mean, I remember enjoying I it. No, it wasn't a four. Similar and, to uh, and that's an auction game, and it was fun, and I remember that. So I want to yeah. play other ones. We have uh, one about pirates retiring and just <laughs> buying, uh, opening bars on on these islands. Right. And I'm like, that's gotta oh, yeah. be a Grog good time. Island. Yeah, Grog yeah, Island. yeah. It's just yeah. pirates retiring and setting up bars, and uh, you know, cashing in all of their treasure. Right. Yeah, and uh, the the one that, that came to my mind was. Uh, because it was one of my my favorite finds. You know, we all have well, all of us board game collectors probably have stories of finding like a, a pretty good board game at a thrift store for a couple bucks. Um, and for a while, my the, the best one that I had found uh, in terms of ratings and the designer was uh, Amon Ra by Reiner Knizia. 
and we broke that out and played it one night and that has a bidding mechanic in it as yeah, well it was great fun and that was a that was a fun one it was just but i like it when i think the bidding is just one part of of the game and then there's other kind of interlocking systems happening biblios but, is an auction game and it's great right Steve yeah Finn, uh, biblios and then um what's the one that rob and melissa have that they got from the christmas party for sale for sale it's yeah. an amazing game and it's it's like one deck of cards that have a bunch of different stuff on it and like and it works like biblios where you spend the first half of the game uh bidding on one thing and then the second half of the game you use that to bid on the rest right and like biblios has the same sort of thing where you have to split uh the cards i man i don't know if i've talked about this on the show before i bought biblios i bought it in uh, moncton i think from a not moncton uh like st john yeah uh we went to the game store there and i don't remember the name of the game store and i'm sorry uh went there i bought it i'd wanted it for a long time i've watched uh videos on it i've read reviews on it i was like this is a game that i need to have in the collection and i found it and it was like 28 dollars, and i bought yeah, it yeah. and we were driving home and i read the rules in the car on the way home and i immediately had remorse i was just like right reading I remember, the rules yeah, I remember and i was that. like this can't be a fun game yeah. and i read the rules out loud in the van i'm just like how's that fun that's there's right. no fun there <laughs> and then we played the game uh i played the game first with dave and i was just like humor me dave we've got a i've got a, i've been wanting to play this game for a long time i bought it yeah i'm not sure what i feel about it right now I set up the game and we played it and we were stunned it was such yeah. a good time and like we immediately played it again and uh and i and it, i just love it i mean we've played it uh it's yeah. one of my most played games because it's yeah. so so small and so quick to play. It's funny how that can happen with a rule and reading. It's an auction game. Yeah, I sometimes find a a reading of the rules can be like, oh, I'm glazing over and like, oh, like I I'm never gonna play this. this isn't This is not engaging at all. And of course, it often is. Oftentimes is. The game store, by the way, was Heroes Beacon. Oh yeah, Good which job, is cool. It's a cool spot. Yeah. And my biggest regret from Heroes Beacon was not buying Biblios. That was amazing. But they had in their discount bin that same day, they had Elfin Roads uh, right. for like 40% off. And I yes. did buy it. And I've regretted it every day since. Which is Alan Moon's game before Alan Ticket to Ride. Uh, which might have been an, uh, nominated for a bunch of stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to getting back into a game store, to be honest. Yeah. Those are fun places to be, and peruse. And... I probably said the name wrong. It's probably not Elfin Roads, but you know. I think it is Elfin. I think it, Elfin Land, maybe. Elfin Land. There's two different ones because uh, there was an earlier version that had like three different ways to play or something. And right. then they redid it with, I think, the one way to play. Uh, or there might be three variations. I'm not sure. You're right. It's Elfin Roads. Yep. Okay. Good. Yep. And it's Alan R. Moon. 1992. Alan R. Moon. It's quite quite a while ago, but definitely. Uh, oh, and it was re-implemented by Elfin Land. Okay. So there you go. And it won the Spiel des Jahres in 1998. And I found it in the store was at 2016, <laughs> and didn't buy it. Yeah, that would be a fun one, I think. Yeah. But I bought Biblios, and that was that was just as good. There's That's so it. much out there. Yeah, it's, man. Uh, it's good. We got to go. 
Oh, we're out of time. Yeah, totally. Look at that. A couple old chums chatting about games. The time just flies. <laughs> flies. Uh, we've, we've been playing Coinbra, and I want to talk about that game. I've said it twice now. Yeah. Maybe next week. Coinbra. Yeah, sure. Let's dig into it. All right, man. Good to see you. Cool. See you later. So soon. long, everybody. Until next time. Uh, you can send us an email if you want. Feedback Please. at uh, everydaymeeple.com. Please do. See ya. See ya.